0: Day begins the same as the one before, and we are stuck in this loop over and over and over again. And just the other day, I was just thinking—I was just thinking about this—and a song came to my mind of when my kids were young, and um, it was Sherry Lewis, and it was from a little kids' show called Lamb Chop, and they had a song that seems to capture what we are seemingly going through. And I thought I would share just a, a, a 20 seconds or so of it, just to give you a sense of what it feels like day in and day out. Yes, it goes on and on, my friend. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. And they'll continue singing it forever just because this is, is the song, song that doesn't end. Oh, no. Yes, it goes on and on, my friend. That's enough guys. Some people started singing it, not knowing what it was. Yeah, I think you get the picture of what we're talking about here. And I, I it seems to me that that pretty much captures it's uh, uh what these days are like it's like a song that never ends and it keeps going and going and Sherry Lewis in that uh, kid show just loses her sorts altogether by the time the the, the song is entirely over um, the the characters do a uh, marvelous job at uh, making her uh, downright crazy and they end up ending their show on that uh, song which is always the kind of the the song that tells you that the thing has come to an end. The worst part about that is if I played it much longer, it would be emblazoned in your memory and you would be humming or, or uh, whistling it through the rest of the day and I didn't really want to inflict that on you. So uh, welcome to the Love Ya Later by podcast. I'm Dr. Mitch, your host. Uh, this is uh, uh, something of a psych monologue's over the last uh, 10 to 15 days of the semester for many of my uh, seniors at CCU that are finishing up in the psychology program. And I thought I would put together this podcast just to reflect on life as we know it uh, and the circumstances we find ourselves in. There's a lot about this that, that uh, gives us pause to think about. Uh, what our lives are like and so forth. And one of the things I wanted to spend some time talking a little bit about, uh, well, before I do that, let me uh, mention one other thing. Uh, I want to give a shout out to um, My Quiet Cave. Uh, It's uh, a ministry here in Denver that is devoted to um, faith and mental health, uh, making a space in the church for that kind of thing. And uh, I I was graciously asked by the executive director, Kimberly Peterson, to join her for a Facebook live event uh, yesterday morning. Good grief, it feels like it was two days ago, uh, to talk a little bit about grief in the midst of social isolation. Uh, And I keep hearing over and over again in the news reports about uh, we, we will have another hump if you will unlike the one that comes with coronavirus uh, where the cases seem to hit their peak and then kind of trail off but we will have something very similar to that with the mental health uh, cases and issues that will arise and are already arising around all this iso- social isolation that comes along with it but um, uh, so I, I, I would point you in that direction uh, to take a look at myquietcave.org. They, they are a great um, uh, program and organization, uh, and uh, they are trying to meet the needs of people in the church uh, and talking about mental health issues that oftentimes are very hidden in the in the background uh, for churches. So. Thank you again for the invitation, Kimberly, and I look forward to an opportunity to do that again if, if it ever arises. Okay, on to our topic of what I wanted to talk about tonight. I, I, uh, I have had ongoing discussions uh, with students about a variety of things, and I think students oftentimes end up being the, the uh, leading edge of issues that uh, the adults are thinking about as well. Uh, Maybe they are more open and willing to pull these issues out into the open and talk about it. I'm not going to sit here and talk or be a cultural observer or commentator about what's going on in that regard. But one of the things that I wanted to take some time talking about was really the issue about of how grief tends to reveal things about us. because of our discomfort in dealing with grief and and losses, that it actually is pointing back to, it seems to reveal it seems to reveal things about ourselves that can get pretty uncomfortable fairly quickly. And one of the things that it points out is really our image or understanding or um, uh, idea or concept. Of, of who God is. Uh, I made mention of this fact a couple of days ago, is that we end up asking questions and referring to the God that is of our own making, rather than the God that is described in the pages of Scripture. And the reality is, is we really can't look at Scripture and the things that are written there without bringing our own bias to it, our own filter to it. And because of that, it it becomes very difficult to try to make sense of the God that we say we serve and how he enters into the world of loss and uh, lamentations, which is an entire book of the Bible devoted to loss, as well as the book of Job, as well as a number of different Psalms. A lot of different things are really devoted to that. But grief has a way of revealing things, not only about us, but our relationships with other people, our relationships with God, and, and I think it's worth paying attention to when we're talking about this subject, because we're all kind of confined indoors, and, and our relationship starts showing cracks and seams that we kind of knew were there, and then we just kind of find ways of ignoring it. Uh, but it it reveals something about us in terms of our relationship with God and then, of course, our relationship with others and our expectations that we have about how they're going to meet our needs and how they're going to respond to us and what kinds of things we read into the things that they say uh, that we may not necessarily on a regular basis do because our contact with them ends up being uh, modulated and diluted because of going off to work and other things like that. Um, but it also reveals, I, I would suggest, that it reveals about just our our take on anything uncomfortable or negative in our lives. I think I've mentioned this before, but our tendency uh, in in the world in which we live, and, um, and I don't know that our elders are in that position. Now, I, I'm getting to the age where Elders mean something very, very different than it used to. But I, because they faced uh, adversity and suffering and pain in very different ways than we did, we tend to have our own take on that thing. And usually it, it, it is something must be terribly wrong because I'm experiencing the things that I'm thinking about and feeling and the, the suffering that I feel like I'm going through. And just as Blaise Pascal once said, that God made us in in his own image and we return the favor and we end up creating a God in our image and then duking it out with him with uh, condemning questions and other things that really are directed toward a, uh, a demand for an answer when there really isn't an answer. Uh, unfortunately, the answer ends up being uh, uh, directed toward or anchored in the nature of us being human. And so I, the thing I would point us to and, and suggest maybe spending a little bit of time talking about is maybe it is that lamentations or lament or grief is not something to see as a problem as much as an indication of our humanity. Now, the minute I say that, that does not mean that I am uh, condemning us by doing those sorts of things. Because I don't know a single self-respecting kid that when they are uh, disciplined or they're given a decision by a parent or an adult, that their first response is, Why? 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 The problem is, is of course, is that if the parent gives an answer, it still isn't good enough because though it isn't really a why question. It's more a matter of um, <clears throat> I don't agree with the answer, and I don't care what the answer is. But um, give you know, I give me a reason just to argue with because I'm mad and I'm upset and I'm sad and I don't like having my wings clipped or whatever that might be. And that's, that's the backdrop, I think, to the things that we're, we're talking about. From a perspective of, of just perspective, I think we have to take into account that what we do with the low points of our lives, grief included, gr- you know, questions included, oftentimes have a lot to do with what we do with our, our sense of meaning. Because we, when we scrub out the things that make it difficult in life, including this, I mean, most everybody, or a lot of people at least, are under house arrest in a sense. And our freedom is under, I wouldn't say under assault, but it certainly is severely limited I had one person once say to me within the last week or two that they, they, they're not only grieving the loss of their interpersonal relationships and relationships, but they're also grieving the loss of their freedom, the freedom to access their friends and get to their friends. Now, can they do that through Zoom or FaceTime or Skype or... Yeah. But I'm not going to find presence in a screen and there's something to be said for the presence of another in real time, in the same room, looking at one another and, and interacting with the other person. And I, I think we've missed, well, I shouldn't say we've missed, but I think we underestimate and take for granted all of the other cues and richness that exists in our relationships with each other that doesn't come by way of words. You know, I think in a lot of cases we we overestimate the importance of words. Now, I'm not saying they're not important at all because if that were the case, then I wouldn't be doing this podcast. But there's there's so much more when I sit and talk to somebody then just the words they use, from the posture they, they uh, s- sit in, to the inflection of their voice, to the glances of their eyes, to the intonation, all of those things are things we take into account, and they end up getting emptied in a Zoom call. I, I, I can't watch very well the person's eyes. I mean, there's a lag for one, and the intonation of their voice is lost. And again, I would go back to there there can't be presence in a screen. All of the heat that comes from our interaction with each other is taken out of it. And That's something worth, I would say, lamenting. And when I lean into that and grasp it and understand the loss that I have in that regard, I begin to grow in my appreciation of these interpersonal interactions that I have with people. Right down to not necessarily touching them, but just being in their presence and them being in mine. And it's easy to miss it. I I get it. I'm on top. I'm right in the middle of all that. But yet I I get assaulted by it every day because I'm talking to people uh, four to six to seven hours a day through a, a screen for crying out loud, and it stretches my ability to actually find a way to connect with the person. And that's an important aspect of I think what we have lost and it doesn't register on our radar at all I don't think it some people will I'm not saying that nobody gets it but I I think for a lot of us we are so busy adapting that we are not paying attention to the things that we've lost as a result of this and and I'm not trying to overemphasize the things we have lost but I think my ability to empathize, my ability to connect with people is built on the commonality of our experiences around this thing called loss and change and things that I resist and I get frustrated about and I get angry about and all of those sorts of things. So we are, we're caught in a vortex, I, all of us are, and if we spend any time looking at it, Reflecting on it, I'm I'm not making a pitch for us to to just be depressed all the time. I'm not at all. I think everybody has to adapt to this situation. At the same time, it can be counterbalanced by a reminder of my connection after we walk out of this, whatever that's going to look like. I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but whatever that looks like. That's the thing we have to keep in our rangefinder and connect with people when we have the opportunity. On the backside of this, to, um, uh, to uh, bask in the richness of our connection with one another. That's it for tonight. Thanks for joining me. For love ya later. Bye.